buckle up and get ready for the journey as we navigate the ongoing relationship between belief and life, theology and doxology, or as we like to say, theodox. Welcome to the Theodox Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for Theodoxing with us tonight. We are um, your hosts, Gracie Calhoun, Joshua Brooks, and we've also got some fun guests with us today, our spouses, Grayson Calhoun, Stacy Brooks, my mom, and then we've also got some new as well, Kim and David Harrell. Awesome. Welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks. great. Thank you. Thanks. You're very welcome. We're glad you're here. This is not by accident. We uh, arranged this in order. We got the uh, the JV married couple Ooh. in their 20s, and we have the I don't know, like I would say more like elementary, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. dang. Yeah, and then so like maybe elementary. middle school to early high school, and then we have the seniors. Oh, yeah. seniors. How does that feel? I, I figure anyone who can we get are. a. Uh, you know, the senior discount on a golf course is in the senior disc is in the senior category. I actually I'm, looked up online today when our property taxes would go down and got excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sixty five. About two years. Years ago mm-hmm. I was considering making myself a fake ID so I could get discounts at golf courses. <laughs> but I didn't think I could pass for fifty five. So I didn't do You're it. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, well tonight we're gonna continue uh, talking about marriage and hopefully put some practical things to uh the conversation we had a couple episodes ago and yeah let you all hear how these things play out in marriages uh that are early on that have been around for a little bit and that have been around a little longer so uh, we're glad everyone was able to make it tonight yes and kind of starting with the understanding of god's love for his children which is displayed you know through his covenants his sacrifice of christ and his future promise how have growing in these understandings affected your view of marriage and also your behavior in your marriage i think it i know in our early years to be honest in the first three years knowing that it was a covenant and that and and our belief was well we've talked about this it's like so divorce wasn't an option (laughs) no you're thinking you're thinking that the first three years it was rough but it wasn't because it was a covenant. And in those early years, I think sometimes that was the main. Now, sometimes that also felt like a prison because we, we were sitting there kind of going, there's no way, there's no way out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I know early on and, and throughout the rest of our marriage, but specifically in those really tough first three years for us and there were a lot of things that came into why it was so tough um but i would say that that idea of it the covenant and 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 it being before god was huge yeah what really helped me more so as we were really struggling the first three years was that i remember elizabeth elliott said you marry a sinner and you are a sinner too and so if marriage is supposed to resemble Christ and his church, then, you know, that is what we're striving for is a testimony of Christ, uh, his work in us. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that has to do the work in us to make us more like him. And we've been married 
34. 34 years. I get confused I, I sometimes. I on the way back. I was like, yeah. so, and, and we're still, we are still works in progress. Sure. Like you never start growing and marriage is the thing I think more than anything else that will chisel away at you and cause you to die to yourself. I think the funny thing for us is we were 19 when we got married. <laughs> had no idea the gravity of what we were saying. We were just repeating after the minister, you know, it was, we had had premarital counseling, but had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But by God's grace, as we grew spiritually, yes, and learning his grace, you know, we've been forgiven so much that we need to be quick to forgive and extend that grace too. So um, I think ours was more of a work in progress. We naturally get along easily thankfully but didn't understand the gravity of the covenant until we were 30 probably yeah. i mean we had been married for quite a few years before understanding what we were symbolizing yeah i think we see that marriage really isn't primarily about us or our spouses it's about um glory, giving glory to god um serving god um i think we see that like in genesis when we see that adam was alone and that it wasn't good is that he was lonely or is that that he's not able to display God's image fully by himself? Um, because he's walking daily with God in the garden, so that doesn't seem to me that he would be lonely and that it's just a spouse so that I gain some kind of um, pleasure or gratitude from her. Yet it's this, we're in union together, so we're serving together, bringing more glory to God together as a, as a unit, as one, than we might could alone. Yeah, I think the covenant aspect and seeing how God has um, worked through, you know, covenants with his people and just seeing the permanent nature of it is kind of what lays that foundation, like you're saying, of, um, and I don't know what everyone's view is on divorce, but, um, you know, it just, like you said, it left where that's not an option. Mm-hmm. It, you know, God... Yeah, I mean, from if he has established an everlasting covenant with his people, and this is a picture of that relationship, then you're not getting rid of me. (laughs) Yeah, you're stuck. You're stuck. That's a better way of saying it. You're stuck. (laughs) Well, I mean, all throughout Scripture, we see that God is the one that is faithful, right? And we are in the category of unfaithful, and yet He passionately pursues us out of love. And it's so wild because we aren't deserving of that love by any means. Like we see that we are wretched sinners and we are his enemies and just unlovable in our nature. And so just the fact that he is completely satisfied within the Trinity of being loved, he is not in need of our love and yet still passionately pursues us out of love is just like mind blowing and really gives us a basis for what marriage should be. It's not a a love, quote unquote, that is worldly in the sense of you fall in it, you fall out of it, but it's an everlasting, passionate pursuit. And you hear that passionate so many times in marriage or in relationships, and you think a lot of times physical. And yet this is a passion that is spiritual and that goes beyond just the physical and the here and now. And um, piggybacking off of that, Gracie, um, I think about how people miss out when they give up. And, you know, the world says, oh, if that person doesn't make you happy, just find somebody else. And we know our marriage isn't there to make us happy. Um, 
not to sound cliche-ish, I don't think that's a word, but um, you know, we're called to be holy, a holy people. And um, so, you know, they miss out because the longer that you're married, the more you grow and you also develop a deeper love for that person. It's not the feeling type of love. It's a deep, solid love. The longer you stick out the hard times, stick it out and just love each other through thick and thick and thin or when I'm not being loving or he's not being loving, we still know we're there for each other. I'm sure David's not ever not loving. No, I, I think I tell you hypothetical. Like, yeah, like, I'm trying to make you guys feel possible, better like, yeah. about you know I, I think you yeah. say it quite often you know that work is a choice or not work but love love is a choice or yeah. work, work is too I mean they're kind of, love is also work so it is all those are kind of intertwined right there. So, you know the thing that hit me because being a minister and doing a lot of marriages and <clears throat> taught on marriage we've been to marriage seminars and whatever and teaching I it hit me you know, you're always learning. And, and I wonder why this didn't hit me back. But when you read Ephesians 5 and you have that picture yeah. of as Christ loved the church. And and I I always kind of thought, oh, Kim and I are going to love each other. I always thought that other people would see that. And they may. And I, I think we can think sometimes that that's our job to display that. And I would say, no, it's our job to do that. It's more for us to look in our marriage and say, is it there? Because the reality is, I don't know what goes on in your marriage. You can, you can show me whatever you want. We can show you whatever we want. But does that make sense that instead of it being some, like our marriage is on display to be for Christ, and it, and it, and it can be, but I think I need to look at it more often and say, you know, when you are having to die or you are having to keep your mouth shut or forbear or whatever, that that I'm seeing that in it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I don't it doesn't I don't care if other people see it. That shouldn't be my goal is that. There's a redeemer in salvation and at different times, each one of us has been the redeemer. You know, uh, each one of us have died in, yeah. on, on different things that other people will never know about. Yeah. They'll never see that. I don't know if that makes sense no, or not, no, but sometimes I, I, we can be yeah. so keyed in on what other people think about our marriage. And it's like, it helped me to kind of look at that and say, well, no, I need to see that in my life in this marriage. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a good evaluating kind of question. And I think that's what you're, what you're getting at is it's not necessarily whether everybody can see her forgiving me or me forgiving her. Right. But it is the question for us internally to go like, is my marriage displaying that relationship? Right. And yeah. Because we know if, better if than anybody else if it really is. Yeah, right. I yeah. guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So on that, let's just throw out a question. Based on not just Ephesians 5, but Ephesians 5 and the gospel itself, what are kind of some of those interactions in your marriage? Like, I don't know how deep and personal you want to get, but just like how kind of how does that work out sometimes where you're going, hey, you know, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I've been forgiven much. How does that play out in your relationship? How does it play out? Um, you know, some of those roles in Ephesians five or any of that. I just just to give people to something that this is how this practically plays out for us. I think it doesn't do 
um, like for starters, it doesn't do us any good for me to like kick back and expect Gracie to serve me to to abuse that headship role that we see in Ephesians five. Like um, we see, if I'm to imitate Christ, then that's me sacrificing for Gracie. That's me laying things down for her, for her benefit, for her holiness. Uh, this is not like some tyrannical masculine position that I'm taking up. This is a a servant, like a a position of servitude where I'm sacrificing for her, having her best interests in mind, her holiness. Hmm. Um, it's not a selfish thing where I'm seeing what I can get from this. I, I think one of the things that I've learned from her through the years that I was never good at, and, and I think that's one good thing about when there are aspects of the, of, of the marriage union that each one of your, I think, might be better at. And in, in the family I grew up in, my dad was a pastor, you know, all of that. And, but apologizing was never, it was never. And thankfully she, you know, was a, a, a new Christian at, to, to a certain degree when, when, when we first got married. And she was, you know, what the Bible said, that's what she did. And so I actually have learned more about verbalizing, asking forgiveness through her because she did it so much. And it was hard for me. I it had it to was. Do it a while. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. That's not true. Um, we both. But she was just always good about coming back, sometimes too quick. You know, when somebody does something, they come back, will you forgive me? Uh, but she did. And she kept doing that. And she would not just say, I'm sorry. She would say, would you forgive me for what she did? And I don't. I still think she's better than that at me. What, how did I say that? She's better than that than I am. Kind of in contrast to that, when we were newly married, I was, my superpower was giving him the cold shoulder. If he made me mad, I could ignore him for hours. And I'm not proud of that. I sound proud, but, but you did I was say very superpower. good at it. That was my superpower. <laughs> but as I grew spiritually and learning, you know, that that, is not right and of course we're called to forgive and seek forgiveness and that's been one thing that has grown us a lot is humbling to have to go to someone will you forgive me mm -hmm. and we taught our kids you know go to your sister even if you're not sorry <laughs> i'm not sorry i'm not sorry but care, trying sorry. to teach them to learn to ask for that forgiveness because it is humbling it's it's humbling to have to to admit you're wrong but that was one thing i was really bad about when we were newly married because I wanted to punish him, you know, make him feel sorry for whatever offended me or whatever. But, um, you know. I find it interesting in the relationship with Christ and the church, you know, they're both dying, right? They're both, Christ is dying for the church and he's also calling the church to die to self. And so since our marriage is to exemplify that relationship, and just in life in general, in our relationships in general, also we are called to die, right? And so dying to self is not something that's fun. It's not something that's easy, but I, I think just like being alert and aware of what you need to die to is super helpful. And that kind of goes along with the whole apologizing and asking for forgiveness because we can't do those things unless we are dying to self and looking for that. and. I know our pastor 
he talks a lot of times about love is losing and learning to lose and being a Christian is learning to lose. And um, I think a lot of marriage is just learning how to lose. <laughs> We're making it so encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say. Sword. Yeah. I mean, well, this is like losing you know. so that you together can win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. But I always looked at it like he who dies first wins. And so like the the whole thing about dying to yourself it is so hard, right? But when you do it, you have joy. And that has to be the Holy Spirit. It's not from us. And so I wish I thought like that all the time. Oh, I but oh, I don't. I mean, don't we know? all? <laughs> yeah. I don't think about what's coming. We the can't joy. guarantee we'll think that way in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, so it, I know in thinking, I guess, two things on this. Whenever we think about the gospel and that we are undeserving sinners mm-hmm. and that Christ, God through Christ extends grace and mercy to us who are undeserving. And when we think about our, our spouses and to think about what we've been forgiven of and what we actually deserve, I think that's helpful in going to them to extend that forgiveness. Um, and then I guess the other side I was thinking on that is that when you mention male um, leadership or headship, um, one of the things that, and I'm not trying to change words, I'm not, but I think it was helpful for me to understand um, male responsibility mm. because I, I know obviously throughout cultures and societies, people have, men have taken advantage of all kind of situations with females, with their wives. And um, so I think headship or authority kind of gets a bad rap right away. But I know for me, the more I think about it uh, as in, I'm the one responsible to God, right. then that carries a different weight and hopefully is helpful in preventing being overly authoritative um, in, in our relationship. No? Okay. I need, I need to think on that a little more. But, uh, and it's weird because there, there's a weird place since we're talking about this. I, since we, I guess me. Um, but there was a, there's a weird place. Like we're not talking about, I'm not talking about, because I'm the only one talking, but um, I'm not talking about men being like just overly pushovers. Like we're not here just to lay down all the time and let our wives walk all over us. That's not anything what we're saying. But, I mean, because the reality is that Eve sinned um, partly because Adam didn't stand up to her. Adam's standing there with the authority to say, don't do that. And he didn't do it. And it would have been for her good for him to say, don't eat that. And And even God coming to him first, asking what has yes. happened as well. He was the one that was responsible for that And we that see that in, in Romans 5, where because one man sin, sin in the earth, mm-hmm. and through one man's death, many will be saved. So, you know, you, you see that male responsibility, and I think that's, you know, a, a very, it is, it is headship. I know we can get into a whole <laughs> rabbit hole, but um, anyway, uh, that's a, it's a good thing for us as men to carry that thought of man, when it comes down to it, I'm the one who has to answer to God for this, and that's pretty doggone scary. I mean, kind of going back to how you were saying how we've been pursued and with 
Christ's death and that covenant that we are now in with God, one thing that I've learned recently that I thought was really cool is that we are actually in three different covenants together. Only three different covenants that uh, covenant with God together. We are in that capital C church together. We are in a covenant marriage, obviously, with each other. And then a covenant with our local body as well. And so those are like the three covenants in scripture that we see that we can be a part of. And I think it's so cool that the marriage relationship, you can be involved in all three covenants together. So I I thought that was really cool. What are some... um... Yeah, what are just some practical things? Let's talk about, I guess, when it gets down to um, whether it's communication or finances or um, dealing with extended family or like just whatever types of practical tips, advice, things you would want to give, throw them out there. Well, how long have you all been married? 27 years next month. Okay, we're only 34. We're only 34. We're we're we got married later, though. Yeah, we how, how long you? <laughs> True. How long have you guys? Been uh, five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we. I don't know y'all. Were y'all their age when you got married? Uh, let's see. Closer. I was twenty-four and Gracie was twenty-one. Okay. So, uh, kind of young for now, but not. I don't know. At our church, we have a rash of uh, rash sounds bad, but um, <laughs> there, there's like two have gotten married and there's like one or two more in the wings and they're all like really young. I one thing this is something that that I think learning and Kim and I had a good, hard conversation the other day. Remember we were in the barn. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it wasn't comfortable. But I walked away from that and everything that she said or I said, um, and we wasn't an argument. Um, you got to get to that point where you can have those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. And I wish we'd have gotten there sooner. Um, but what happens in with hundreds of, of couples that I've counseled, and that doesn't mean I'm an expert because every time I counsel them, I'm counseling myself. Um, I've never had a counseling session where I didn't say something that I needed to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? In marriage, never. That's one reason I, I like doing it because it, I'm preaching to the choir. But one of the things I encourage people is to learn so many couples have this cycle. Something is said and then it, it gets personal and then there's anger and, and it just it peaks and then they somewhat get through it. And, and then, then, it, then it, it, it's again. And then once you get into anger, you're saying things, you're, you're getting personal, you're bringing up the past, you're doing damage, you're doing future damage. And then this argument will be the content of the next argument because this wasn't settled and things were said there. So learning how to kind of put your head down, not get emotional, not get personal. But the reality is you are different and you're going to see things differently you're going to view things differently. And I think when we had that conversation the other day, I, I guess to encourage people, we are, like she said at the beginning, we're still learning. Mm-hmm. But that was, we've had other good ones, but I think that was one of our best, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard conversations because what was said needed to be say, said, but it wasn't comfortable for either one of us. But we did it. I would, and I don't know how else you do that except for tell yourself, you know, we're going to talk. I'm not going to 
we're not going to go personal on this. We're going to stay in this trench and, and work through it. And it's, it's a good feeling, even though it's tough. Um, you were there. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, I know you have maybe other advice, though. It was, That's just yeah. mine. I've not been the best at communicating. And I think we forget how different men and women truly are. And so a lot of times I would give hints. That does not work. (laughs) You know that. If you've been married six months, you learn that, um, wow, they didn't get that. So I've learned to, um, to communicate better, to say what I really mean and not make a suggestion. And so I think that's helped a lot. No, it does. Um, I'd rather be direct. Yeah. And I was thinking about this, too. I read one of my favorite marriage books is The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And um, and I love Francis Chan's book, too. I don't know if I'm supposed to give shout-outs yeah, to books, good. but You and Me Forever. Very gospel-centered, both of those books. But The Meaning of Marriage, I remember... Um, Tim Keller said that his wife had gotten five different versions of him through the years. There were five different Tim Kellers, you know, and that is something, too, with people in general. We change. And so just when you think you've got it figured out, then one or the other changes or goes through. Goes by as a horse. (laughs) yes and so you need to have conversations and get to know the new person too but no I think you know communication for any healthy marriage has to be honest and clear and those tough times make you have to have those hard conversations and we each deal with them differently Mm -hmm. too and learning to navigate that open communication um that's good. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, um, I guess, some advice. Making Christ the top priority in your time and efforts. Um, I feel like when I'm studying God's Word and praying, I'm doing Josh. Like, that's good for him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've tried to teach our girls that the best thing they can do for their current husband and future husbands are to get in God's Word. and to. Are um, those separate people? Future yeah. husband and current husband. Not for you. <laughs> Not for you. You're, you're, yeah, you're taking us. You're different people. Till death. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully, a long time from now. <laughs> but the best thing we can do for our spouse is our pursuit of God. Um, and then I think my next piece of advice would be um, to make our husband, our spouse, the top priority, the top human relationship. When our kids were young, they became my world because I was homeschooling. My day revolved around them, and Josh got whatever was left over by the time he came home. Um, But this relationship is the number one human relationship, and God has ordained it that way, you know, by making it the example of Mm -hmm. Christ in the church. So um, I feel like you're about to. I remember asking dad when I was little, I was like, who do you love more, me or mom? And he was like, (laughs) and he was like, mom. And I was like, what? I was like baffled. I was like, you're supposed to love me more. (laughs) I don't know. My little child brain thought that. But yes, making this a priority because it's so easy to get wrapped up in even good things, raising Mm -hmm. kids, you know serving others, all the things, but if I'm neglecting 
this relationship and him and his needs. Um, and, and that's, that's a full time job, right? It is, right? They're so needy. There's that hint. I'm hard on her. <laughs> <laughs> my burden very needy my burden i think going back to communication it was important for us to we had um somebody telling us to, to be focused on having intimate conversations not just to talk about facts or opinions um but to talk about like mm-hmm. ha- hey how how are you feeling this week what's going on with this or just to sit down and to to talk about things and share that you know it might take you know gracie's good at it like she's pretty good at sharing her feelings i'm like i don't really know how i feel like it takes me time that was a great way of saying that i'm just kudos awesome hey she's good at it yeah like like she knows what she feels i'm like i don't know it's just like i'm hungry angry i want to go to bed it's like if you just give me some pictures with some pictures of emotions on it i'll pull one out paint by number (laughs) but no just learning to communicate at a deeper level so that You know, as that person's changing, as they're evolving and growing, I'm, I'm still learning who Gracie is, not like who Gracie was five years ago. And then with the conflict as well, like learning how each other will address conflict as well, because we wanted to address conflict very differently. And we learned that fairly early on, like we knew something was wrong, <laughs> but we didn't know exactly why we were struggling in conflict. And eventually... I don't know how we figured it out, but not that either way. What are of, you going to change next week? So they have to figure probably, it out. Probably. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that will change. That's probably pretty sad. Um, but as far as conflict, like me wanting to address it right then and there, and like let's just not let it linger. That's that's how I was raised, and that's just my personality. And he needed more time to like think through because he wasn't exactly sure what he was feeling, and so for him to just dive into conversation was like. I don't, I'm feeling bombarded because I don't know exactly what I'm feeling. And so for me to learn, hey, he needs some time to get his thoughts together, to think about this, so that way we can come at this a little bit more objectively rather than, like you mentioned, just throwing stones at each other. So even learning how you deal with conflict as well is super important. Um, I would like also say, you know, I, I love your advice on prioritizing Christ and and that being great and it is <laughs> but I would also say like just pursue having fun together too like I mm-hmm. think that's a huge one as well like being able to laugh together and just have fun don't take life too seriously like that's just an in general statement but I think just really prioritizing being best friends as well is just super fun and and good I think what's helpful um one of the things that we tell couples a lot that helped our marriage early on is unfortunately like people say well we don't communicate or or we're communicating badly and reading a book that was not and and i'm sitting here saying this and and she can tell you i wasn't like you know together i love reading i but we read a few books somebody gave us a, a few books and the good thing about it is you read a chapter and and either she would read it or I would read it if if we were tired we might split it up or whatever whatever the night called for and we did it like once a week but the good thing about it is so many times you're you're talking out of the emotion of whatever it is that you're arguing about so that's how you're communicating so when you read a chapter in the book you're talking about something that's not impacting your marriage you're talking about something or you listen to a message you know like now you could listen to a podcast together and then talk about it 
And then you're learning, wow, I didn't, I didn't, that's not the way I heard that statement or that's not the way I read it. And so you're actually learning each other, you know what I mean? Because the way to learn to communicate is to communicate. And then the couples will say, well, you didn't hear us, so we don't communicate. Well, then communicate about something that's not threatening. Yeah. And if you can do that, it really, that's, you just got to, like you were saying, Gracie, is that you're different and you respond different and you got to learn it. And when you talk about something that's not threatening, mm -hmm. yeah, don't yeah. you think it helped? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and I think it's so important that you have your own interests mm -hmm. because I've seen um, husbands and wives probably more so so wives that just want their husband right there like if they go to a wedding the they can't leave each other's side you know and so there's no like pursuing of other people and interest um and that's what also makes your relationship and your love for one another even stronger but if i just want everything for him to meet my every expectation then I, I'm going to be like in a heap of a mess, you know, just expecting. It's a mess. I can meet most of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not coming up with the right way to put that. But, I mean, you know, like I'm going to be depressed, I guess. Like if I Well, it's like I said Sunday, you're, you're, you're wanting a sinner to be your savior. Mm -hmm. When you're expecting every, uh, when, when you're expecting one person to meet all of your needs. You're expecting another sinner to be your savior. That was not mine. That was, his last name's Lane. David Lane. Scott anyway. Lang. Tim Lane. He's Ant-Man, never mind. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember Lane. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest things for us, uh, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, was just the realization that we never really thought about our marriage being something that was God-ordained in order to make me more like Christ. Um, and so it was always, I think, a prevailing thought that I'm going to marry this person and they're going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And kind of along the lines of what you're saying, like they're, they're going to bring about all that good feelings and satisfy everything. And there's a lot of that that happens. Um, but, uh, you know, it was much more substantial to realize and it helped get us through some of the hard things when you realize this is about God molding and shaping me right. and the things that we're going to argue about, the things that I start to throw stones about or she does, you know, are okay. This is, this is stuff that is being exposed in me that I did not know was there and would not necessarily know was there. And then you start having kids and you're like, hmm. okay, there's a lot more stuff in there. <coughs> and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a big thing, a big, maybe practical advice is just to realize that as, as followers of Christ, your marriage is to hone you and to shape you and to mold you into the image of Christ. It is to make you holier um, more so than to make you happier. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just huge in accepting the things that come um, that are hard. I think what kind of goes along with that and with what you mentioned, Kim, is just not putting your worth in your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I had to learn um, myself is – I had put my worth in Grayson and I mean, and if he put his worth in me, then I mean, we're going to disappoint each other, you know, and our worth is going to falter and shatter when that happens because, Hey, we're, we're sinners trying to, you know, make it to, um, future glory. And mm -hmm. so 
that's, I guess, kind of going along there with what you were saying is just find your worth in Christ. Mm -hmm. Find what it means for you to be a godly woman or a godly man and what practically that looks like, what those roles are in scripture. And rather than, hey, I feel worthy when he tells me these things Mm -hmm. or rather than that, like, yes, I love hearing compliments and yet I shouldn't you know, wait for those to, to fill me up, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I guess as the newest married couple as well, um, by a long shot, um, <laughs> we've got a lot, a lot to go, but as far as, and I mean, you'll figure this out eventually, but I guess coming into marriage, know that you're going to have to find your new normal. Like you grew up very differently, very likely. And your the way you were raised was probably very different. How many siblings you had was possibly different. And so everything's just a lot of times different. And so to come into your marriage thinking that, oh, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna have as many kids as my parents did and you know, then your spouse thinking, Well, that's different for my family or, or even what the culture tells us that a marriage should look like. So I guess grounding what your new normal is in God's word and finding what that new normal is for y'all rather than preconceived notions of what the culture says and what your upbringing was as well. Another big thing for us has been praying together. Um, it's been a long time now, and it was so awkward the first time we prayed together at night. It was like, this is weird. I mean, we could say a blessing over food, but to have to pray together before we went to sleep. But now it's just our every night before we fall asleep. And it's humbling, again, just like forgiveness, but it's humbling to go before the Lord when you've had a bad day together, you know, or you're feeling a little cranky when you go to sleep, and to have to go to the Lord, because it's usually my night whenever I've done or said something like, oh, great, now I have to pray. Um, but it's humbling to go before the Lord and and to confess and to thank the Lord for this wonderful husband he's given me. But it is also very encouraging to hear um, Josh thanking the Lord for me and you know the, the things that, and us praying together for our family and the things that he knows are troubling me or vice versa you know it's Mm -hmm. it's really encouraging um to be able to do that together so and i think that's gotten us a long way in life it's again very humbling and i think anytime we are humble i i just feel like god tries to keep me (laughs) he always gives me opportunity to be humble (laughs) well it um it's hard to go to bed angry yeah when you're having to pray for that person yeah and that you know that's something that another element to that is yeah if if it's my night to pray and i've been upset with you then i've got to deal with that you know before (laughs) before i go to god um anyway so kim you mentioned a couple of books um tim keller name those again the meaning of marriage the meaning of marriage and um francis and lisa chan it's called you and me forever that's an easy read. Yes, yeah. I love yeah. their music video, too. Yeah. Oh, that me song. too. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What are some other resources y'all would recommend? Um, it's a little devotional, Talking as Teammates. It's um, how to, like, talk through conflict kind of before conflict is there. And we haven't finished it yet, but it's really helped us. <laughs> You're waiting for the next <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's by Steve Hope or Hop. I'm not exactly sure. It's got two Ps, so... Copy. <laughs> the Bible. 
<laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> the Bible. Um, I brought mine to showcase. Um, the um, gosh, that feels really close. Um, John Piper, Momentary Marriage. Yes. That's a great um, one. It's very good. I was reading back through it. It's been quite a few years since I'd read it, um, and I picked it back up today. Um, anyway, it's a really good read. And Sacred Marriage. Yeah, Gary Thomas. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. another really good one, too. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hope this has been helpful. Hopefully, you'll take away some nuggets, some little pieces of something that could be helpful to your marriage or future marriage. Um, Again, we're just uh, happy to be here and happy that we could have this conversation with these great couples. And um, y'all have a good evening, day, time, whatever. I always say that, and I don't know what time you're listening to this. So anyway, <laughs> peace out. Adios. Go look up the You and Me Forever music video now, guys. It's very good.